Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shaffit, and my good friend, Artemis Brower. Artie, episode 163. Yes, sir. One, How we doing? Three. Woo. I'm going to bring in, 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 energy tonight, man. I'm, I'm going to bring it. I'm tired. I am tired as I don't know what. Uh, if you see me fumbling the bag a little bit, it's because I'm exhausted from this past week traveling to Durham from Winston-Salem every single day this week. But we do what we do to get to the bag. But uh, I'm excited to be here with you, and I'm excited to be recording another uh, episode. For sure. Yeah, man. It's good seeing you. Um, hate that you're having to do that. But like you said, wh- whatever you got to do to secure the bag, and and, and you're doing you're doing the right thing. So um, good, to, good to have that. And uh, Artie, I mean, what a week it's been. For the, for the Boneyard podcast, we're going to talk about it. I mean, we're we're going to talk about it. There, there's a lot that there's a lot that uh, has has transpired in the last week or so um, since since I would say about an hour after the App State game, a lot's gone down. Um, we'll talk about all of it. We're hey, we're an open book here at the Boneyard podcast. But uh, first things first, Artie. 163, number 63, you got one? I do have a 63, and uh, I do appreciate the assist on this uh, number 63. Thank you for that. Uh, But that is one Jeff Saturday. Uh, Awesome, awesome, awesome guy. Um, You know, obviously a legend with the Indianapolis coach during that uh, long Peyton Manning era in Indianapolis, won a Super Bowl with the coach. I think he's on the, the coach, you know, uh, ring of legacy or a hall of honor, hall of fame, whatever, whatever they have in, in, in Indy. Um, but um, don't know all his stats. I just know that he was, he's a great, he, I think he's a hall of famer. If not, he's going to be a hall of famer because uh, he was absolutely one of the best centers in the league for a decade plus. Uh, so Jeff Saturday, I don't know if he's, he's not still coaching the coach, is he? I, I think, I think it was just like a little temporary. Thing I, right, I, 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 I have no idea. Jeff Saturday is actually still coaching the coach. I really don't. I don't follow the coach. Uh, the the, the coaches, the coaches at the NFL level change so much that honestly, if I tried to keep up with every single head coach at, at the NFL level, like uh, I, I, unless I'm getting paid, that's the only way I'm doing it. Hey, but look, this is what I'll say: back to back weeks, two centers, two big uglies. All right, I'm giving them the respect and credit that is due to the guys that protect the pretty boys back there. All right, so shout out Jason Kelsey last week. Shout out Jeff Saturday this week. For sure. Uh, all right, my 63. Artie, I'm going to ask you, is is this chalk for the Boneyard podcast? No, Hold on. right? I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even look. Let me, let me, let me look at this. I mean, yeah, this is chalk. I mean, if if if, if you're a pirate, you don't know this name, you're not really a pirate. So, none other. My number sixty three. None other than former East Carolina University pitcher, currently a starter for the Cleveland Guardians, formerly the Cleveland Indians. I guess I guess he never really pitched for the Indians, but uh, drafted twenty third overall in the twenty twenty one draft. Has pitched in sixteen games, started every single one of those. Uh, for Cleveland after making his debut on June 21st. He's got three wins, five losses, a 3.29 ERA, 82 innings pitched, 81 strikeouts. Almost a strikeout an inning guy right now. Uh, None other than Gavin Williams. 
Big G money. Love uh, it. Love it. I'm, I mean, you, you got you to gotta go with him. Like, when, when he's right there, you got to go with it, right? Like, it, it's as easy as that. Gavin Williams. Um, look, the Guardians are, are honestly, the Guardians are kind of trash right now. <laughs> but Gavin Gavin's on that five-man rotation, and I, I think he's going to be there to stay for a while. I, I think – I mean that three point two nine ERA. That's that's not bad. And not bad at all. look, wins and losses doesn't matter anymore. Nobody cares about wins and losses. It, it's a team sport, and uh, you got you got to have an offense to be able to win ball games. And I mean, Ga- Gavin's team doesn't really have much offense. So uh, yeah, number sixty three, Gavin Williams. Already, I'll, I'll say this again. I said it last year, and I think I talked about it a little bit last week on the podcast. Number 63 is, is my favorite number, personally. It's just yeah. my favorite number 63. In all the video games I play, my character wears number 63. Um, just I wore number 63 on, on the Kai-Fi B-side intramural football team. Shout out, Roll Kai. Um, and then, Artie, I mean... It's it's just it's it's a good number. Like it's a it's a random number, but it's also not a random number. It's divisible by three. Three is the best number. Um, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I I I I rock the real numbers. I rock eight and six and twenty four because I was I was a big Kobe guy. So eight and twenty four were my numbers. So, but any anything past honestly anything past twenty four. You can miss me with that. I don't. I don't know what it feels like to rock a sixty-three or fifty-two or any of those. It's one. It's one of those numbers where when you wear it and you're great, people remember it. And I mean, when when you juke out somebody uh, to send your team to the championship, rocking the number sixty-three, no, nothing feels better. Okay. I mean, Number 63 on the field, but number one in your heart. There it your is. boy, Jared Chaffet. Uh, <laughs> Artemis. Talk to me. The Boneyard Podcast is proud to be members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Variety Sports. Go check them out. Uh, we're, we're doing our NFL picks of the week. I sent in my NFL picks. Uh, uh, here, I can read them off. Uh, we, we had five games to pick up, pick from mine uh, already. Let's see. Let's see where, where, where's the text. All right. Yeah, here, here we go. Um, the text. So we, we were talking giants, 49ers, uh, Buffalo, Washington, Falcons, lions, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas. And, uh, Rams, Cincinnati. We all we had to give our picks, our score predictions. Yeah. I'm gonna roll through mine. You, you tell me how you think how how you think I'm gonna fare this week. Okay, all right, let's roll. All right, San Francisco 31, Giants 17. Okay, Buffalo 27, Washington 21. Atlanta 33. Gonna go three and zero to start the season. My Falcons rise up, baby. 33, Detroit 24. Pittsburgh and in, in Vegas. Vegas 28, Pittsburgh 21. And then I got the Rams beating the Bengals 
20 to 14. How how you feeling about that? I like the first two picks. I like the first two picks. I don't have the Falcons going three and over beating the Lions. I do not have uh, the Steelers losing to Vegas just because I don't believe in Jimmy G like that. He ain't going – not against that defense. Did you see what that defense did Monday night? He ain't, defense, he ain't putting up no numbers against that defense. He's not. That that defense looked like East Carolina's defense had they been able to stop the ball. Like, Jimmy, Jimmy G not doing nothing on that Steelers defense. And then uh, what was the last one? Uh, Rams, Bengals. Oh yeah, the Bengals are zero two. They're gonna they're gonna beat the hell out the Rams. They got they got to win. They, they got to win. Yeah, though. Even though that, that that Puka that Puka Nakua whatever his name is, I picked him up on waivers the other day. He's killing it. I mean, yeah, what what a pickup. I mean, I, I was trying to I was trying to find him, but I think yeah, you you slid in right before I could get to him. His um, numbers the first two weeks, I'm like, yo, I gotta I gotta stash him on the bench real quick. That is crazy. Undrafted rookie, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's putting up some numbers. Hmm. Yeah, and then I, I saw uh, somebody picked up Kareem Hunt in our fa- – we have the $100. You have $100 to spend on, on what the waiver wire. I yeah. saw somebody in our, our fantasy league put like $36 on Kareem Hunt. I was like, I was like, that's a lot of money to put on Kareem yeah, Hunt. Yeah, no. I, I, tried to, I tried to pick up Ford for the, for the, uh, for the Browns when uh, yeah. Nick Chubb got, got – I put 40 on, on Ford thinking that was going to be enough. Sony put 51. I think it was Quiggles put 51 on him. I was like, ugh, it's a little too stiff for me, but I I respect it. Mm. How you how you doing in fantasy right now? I'm one and one. Two and all, baby. We undefeated. Okay. Right hey, hey, as long as as long as I don't come in last, I'm good. Right. I don't I don't want to come in last this year. Uh, but all right, Artie, let, let's get into it. Uh, we're we're gonna talk App State, ECU, and then we're gonna uh, preview East Carolina's matchup with uh, Gardner Webb coming up this weekend. Uh, Artie, the good, the silver lining, one might say. Uh, the defense scored twice. Hey, if your offense can't score, hopefully your defense can. <laughs> and that that's that's what we got. Um, shout out the seventeen-year-old freshman that's Antoine crazy. Jackson. That's crazy. <laughs> with his first career pick. Taking it to the house for six, pick six, Antoine Jackson. Uh, I mean, what what a start to what a start to his, his college career. I mean, he should be a senior in high school right now, but he's playing D one football and making pick sixes. Yeah, I mean, talk about an athlete. Um, shout out Antoine Jackson. Got got to keep him. Got to keep him with a. Uh, with his girlfriend on, on the basketball team, got, right. got, that's we got that's the only way he's staying in Greenville. <laughs> that's the only way. What what somebody should do is, is fund the the NIL should. Uh, I was about to that that NIL money going is going to come knocking though. So. What what we need it we we need like a marriage counselor that can give money to the to Team Boneyard and sponsor Antoine Jackson. And keep that relationship going. I don't care. I don't care. Um, and then uh, junior Siobhan Rebel uh, had an – honestly, I had no idea what was going on. When when he had that I scoop and score, yeah. I had no idea what was going on. Like, I was watching – all I see is him taking off down the field, and I'm like, 
where's he running? Like, what's going on? Who's he running from? And he was just running by himself. And, yeah. he, and he had the ball and scooped and scored for, for a touchdown. And right. Side note, I, I just want to mention, I was trying to keep up with this game. I was literally watching this game, or at least trying to watch this game, on my phone at my childhood friend's, her daughter's first birthday party. We were out in Lexington. <laughs> and I'm literally sitting at this child's birthday party. And everybody's doing, you know, the kumbaya and, and, and talking and, and all that. And I'm sitting here on my phone trying to keep up with this at ECU game. So, yeah, I, it, it was a great game for, you know, three quarters. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of sounds familiar to the Marshall game, right? It's a good game for three quarters. Yep. Yep. Um, other good, Artie. I, li- I liked what I saw out of, you know, the Aussie punter, Luke Larson. Uh, when, when your offense you doesn't. What's that? I was, I was making a joke. I said the 40-year-old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude's got three kids and, and a whole family to feed, all the mouths to feed. Um, in the class. Yeah. It, it, his, uh, if you go on EC's website, his major just says MBA. Just says MBA. It doesn't say anything else. Just he's getting his MBA. That, that's his major. Um, Luke Larson, he, he's, he seemed to have figured it out this year. I look yeah. two years ago, he, we were all happy with Luke Larson last year. Luke Larson was public enemy number one. Yeah. And then now he, he seemed to find what, what he had back in that 2021 season. Um, now granted he, he doesn't have the longest leg at times, but his punting style, that Aussie punting style Every once in a while, he can get a long one, one that rolls out and gets down to within inside the 10-yard line, right? And and he had one on Saturday, I, I believe, downed at like the three or the two. Um, just a, an insane punt. Great punt to, to see. And like I said, if, if your offense can't do anything and you're having to rely on the defense to score points, we look like, we look like the new Iowa out there with uh scoring points off of defense um you could you could really make a case to say that the defense has scored three touchdowns and the offense has only gotten two yeah. um but yeah no, no you you can't actually make that case because the only touchdown we scored in the Marshall game was gift wrap by the defense so yeah so i mean that that's that's good to see and then uh the offense like it looked improved Right, I think Alex Flynn, his composure. He he looks, he looks more composed than than Mason Garcia, and we've been saying that since week one. And um, I I think that helped, but we still can't throw the ball, or we still can't figure out how to get north south w- with our passes. Yeah, and we're we're throwing little screen passes and just getting blown up at the line of scrimmage. Um, and it, it is honestly infuriating to watch at times. Uh, I, I don't want to be, I, I saw a comment earlier this week that we were too negative. I don't know if you say we're too negative. You probably don't listen to the podcast that often. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we are the biggest. If, if, anything, if anything, we're not critical enough. Yeah. Um, and I true. mean, 
we, we got to figure out. And Coach Donnie K, I mean, give him credit. Give him credit. He said we, we got to figure it out on first and second down because we he said we practice third down probably more than anybody in the country. And we suck on third down. So uh, every every, can... every offensive coordinator that 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 means nothing to me. Every offensive coordinator in the country, we we practice the most third. That we we do everything we can to make sure third down is going to be great. Come on, man. Uh, every, and, every... Uh, I mean, I get. I guess it's great when uh, every your third down package is hey, let's run it up the middle. Um, yeah. So, but the offense looked improved. That first drive was the best drive they had all season, and. Still, that was the best drive. And the the thing about it was, it seemed like they they did well coming off like they had the game script. But once the script changed, and once the you got into the game and you couldn't go off the script, and you were having to actually call plays and and go with the ebbs and flows of a game, ECU fell off. That's the problem, though, Jared. Football is not a script. Exactly, it's not a script. They scripted the first drive perfectly. You're playing chess, not checkers out here, and you have to have ebb and flows. So exactly, exactly, checkmate. Um, so th- that's the good. It, the offense looked improved, but it still wasn't where it needs to be. Okay. Um, it, it's just too predictable, and that that's that's the th- first thing I have in the bat is the offense is too predictable. Right, we need. To find offense. We need to find scoring. And it can't always come from the defense. You can't expect your defense to be on the field for more than 60% of the game and, and still win. Right. You can't expect that. Um, and Coach Harrell, I mean, he said, hey, we, we, didn't, we didn't compete as hard in the second half as we did in the first half. Probably because your defense is on the field every four plays. You can't get anything going, so your guys are your guys are getting tired. Not to mention you got you got some guys banged up. You do have some guys banged up on the defense. You got Elijah Morris, who's banged up. You got Tegan Wilk, who missed the second half uh, of the game at App State. Uh, sounds like he. It sounds like he may miss some some time, a couple weeks. Um, my guess would be he doesn't play this weekend, and I wouldn't. I, I would be surprised if you played next weekend. Um, but, yeah, the offense, you've got to have sustained drives, and ECU doesn't have that. Whether it's because the offensive line sucks, whether it's because the quarterback play sucks, or whether it's because the wide receivers can't catch a damn ball, you got to figure it out. Well, I mean, Jerry, it's, it's a combination of four things. It's the O-line not playing up to their potential. It's the receivers not catching wide open passes when they should and making plays. Um, it is the quarterback play, which has just been anemic. And it's the and it's the offensive play calling. You have all four of those things that are just lacking, and which is leading to you only having three score touchdowns offensively in three games. That's that's what it is. And to be honest with you, heading into this matchup with Gardner Webb, like probably not even gonna be a runaway in that game, right? So <laughs> we'll we'll see. And I, I, the offensive play calling has been atrocious. I mean, we are the most predictable on offense than I, I feel like we're the most predictable football team out there. Running on first down, running on third down, 
maybe make a screen pass here or there. We're, we're, we're so predictable. It, it's it's insane. Everybody in the in the stadium, I feel like, knows what we're going to do each and every down. It's so predictable, right? And, and something needs to be addressed. And I, I think this is a good time already to talk about the elephant in the room, the, the tweet heard all around Pirate Nation. Um, so, so let's, let's get it all out in, in the open. All right. Let's talk about this tweet. People took, blew it way out of proportion. I tweeted what I saw. Okay. I tweeted what I saw and what that was, um, what was an athletic director having a fairly one-sided conversation with having a one-sided conversation with, with a head coach. And that that's all, that's really all it was. Look, the one thing that I'll say is we knew that it was about lack of offense. Steve and I go confirm that it, it was about lack of offense, right? We all heard that. Everybody in that room heard that. So if there's a people denying that that was said, we all heard it and it's been confirmed elsewhere. I also maybe shouldn't have said that I heard the word change. I was 90% sure that I heard the word change. And I even said that in the tweet. Um, with that, I mean, I also said that I didn't know exactly what the context was. Right? And and is it a context of we need to change offensive coordinator? Or was it in context of good job on, on changing quarterbacks because we needed that? I don't know. And I said that. It could be either. It could be something else. But I, I'm 90% sure I, I heard the word change. I was just letting you know what I heard, what I saw. I was standing about 30 feet away from him. Um, look, I saw people calling for us to lose our credentials. We didn't do anything wrong. People said we were unprofessional. Like, we didn't do anything wrong. We, we just tweeted about a conversation. Uh, we just tweeted about a conversation that, that, uh, that I saw. And if you're upset about it, I'm sorry. But, yeah, I mean, the Boneyard Podcast is going nowhere. We're staying right here. I mean, talk what you want. Look, obviously it struck a nerve with a bunch of people because a lot of people were wanting it to be some kind of change. And we all know that there needs to be some kind of change. Lose our credentials for what, though? We didn't confirm anything. We didn't promise that this was said. We didn't say, oh, we guarantee this happened. It was what you thought that you overheard, which is probably what you overheard after the game. <laughs> like it was a conversation. It was a conversation that needed to happen. By the way, let's let's go ahead and just address that. Like it was a conversation that absolutely needed to happen. I think a lot of people are coming out here trying to defend that the conversation shouldn't even been happening in the first place. No, this conversation needs to be happening. We're zero and three. The offense is struggling terribly. The play calling is struggling terribly. This is a conversation. You're the athletic director. You get paid a lot of money to make sure that these things are not happening terribly. This conversation needed to happen, and it needed to happen right after that game. So you probably heard exactly what you heard, and you did not confirm or, or, or you know, I promised that this happened. You said this is what I believe that I overheard happening between these two gentlemen after this game, Right. We here to do journalism, man. Like we're not we're not here to to kiss ass and and be everybody's friend and do this that. We are here because we're loyal to East Carolina University. Not any one person, not any one player, not any one coach, not any one athletic director, not any one media member. We're loyal to East Carolina University, period. And we're loyal to this podcast and putting out good content. So look, 
And true what, what I'll say is, and I say this in every email to any guests we're having on. I say this to anybody when I'm talking about our podcast. We're fans first. We want change. We want some, we want ECU to be good. We want ECU to be back on on top, in our opinion, right? We want that. We want that just as much as every other donor, every other Pirate Club member, everybody else. There's some people in the media that they don't care. They, they get paid to cover the team. We don't get paid. Look, anything that we've made has gone either right back into the podcast or I've taken it and I've donated it right back to the Pirate Club. Okay, we don't make money. We don't make money off this podcast. And so, yeah, I mean, we tweeted something. I don't know. I, I really don't care. I, I really don't care at this point. Maybe, maybe already this is this is the start of of our our villain arc, and in, in, in hey, the media. Maybe. I don't know. I saw a lot maybe, of people maybe. like from, I already saw Boyer podcast on the dark side. Maybe, maybe, maybe this makes it official. So. I, I I know I saw a lot of people from other media outlets lose our credentials try to talk shit no get out of here with that all right all right let's move on still a lot of drop passes Cy Hatfield dropped a wide open pass then that next play led to a big turnover um I mean and then I mean the quarterback is I mean we're we're staring down receivers like I I could call out when when an interception is going to happen I feel like every play when when I see it, I, I can almost tell you when when an interception's coming, just because I think everybody else in the in the stadium could probably could probably call that out. Yeah. So telegraphing passes, uh, and then while the defense still looks good, it, it's maybe time to admit that the secondary isn't performing. Teams are throwing all over us. We've got to figure something out. Um, so yeah, that that that's really it. Already, anything else for the bad? Yeah, no, nothing else on the bat. I mean, yeah, like like the only thing I'll add is that, you know, the defense, yeah, they've, they've looked good in spurts. They've looked great at times. But we've also given up over 100 points in three games, too. Like, we've literally given up over 100 points in three games. So, as well as they've played at times, overall, eh. Artie, if I told you at the beginning of the season that through our first three games, the team that we gave up the least amount of points to was Michigan? <laughs> what? In the big house, that's the team that has scored the least amount of points on us. Michigan in the big house. Oh, that's wow. absurd. All right, and then the ugly. Got to figure out figure it out in the second half. ECU led twenty one to sixteen at halftime. They were held to forty two yards on twenty five plays in the second half. Negative half of a yard rushing in the second half. Overall, this year already. Opponents have outscored ECU 55 to 13 in the second half and 28 to 3 in the fourth quarter. Like they shouldn't even play no quarter. Like we we can't play no quarter if that's how if that's how we're if that's how we're looking. I I'd look it's I really have nothing to add. You said it perfectly. It's 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 a crapshoot right now. And honestly, the other teams should be playing no quarter on, on our behalf because they're the ones that are actually living up to the, to the no quarter insignia. So it's it's not good. And lastly, the ugly, already before we before we preview Gardner-Webb, penalties. ECU is 129th out of 130 FBS teams in penalties this year. 
just ahead of Boston College. Which is not saying much, because if you saw the Boston College game last weekend, like I did, I watched some of that Boston College game. They truthfully probably should have beat Florida State, but they had like 18 to 20 penalties. Like they literally, I think it was, I think it was 18 penalties that they had in that game for like 175 some yards. It was something absurd. And if they have half of those, they probably beat Florida State at home. So, mm-hmm. you know, outside of Boston College, just shooting themselves in the face, we would be the worst team in the country with penalties. For sure. That's that's the good, bad, and ugly from, from ECU versus App State. Okay. We're 0-3. This is a new week. Gardner-Webb comes into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Uh, Gardner-Webb last year was 7-6, and 5-0 and in the Big South. Finished first in the Big South last year um, before losing to William & Mary in the second round of, of the FCS playoffs. Uh, we're we're going to bring on Phil Constantino uh, to the podcast. Phil, how are we doing, my friend? Uh, Welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. I was listening to you guys uh, the last few minutes, and I felt like I was back home in New York listening to WFAN after a Yankees game. Jeez. I get Man, the sky is falling here. We're not in Greenville. We both live in Winston-Salem, but the sky is falling. It feels like around around East Carolina. It's not not, uh, not a good feeling. Yeah, I don't know. I I was expecting to at least – I was expecting to at least be one and two going into week four. I mean, had you told me one and two, I would have felt okay. Knowing that we had to play Marsh, Marshall, Michigan, and App State, I went in a weird order there. But um, knowing that we had to play those three teams, three really good FBS teams, teams that are vying to win their conference, and yeah, it it it, it kind of it it stings right now. Uh, it does does not feel good. But um, t- talk to us about Gardner Webb, man. I tell you what, the Gardner Webb running Bulldogs didn't expect to be one and two. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's tough times here. Um, but Gardner Webb coming into Dowdy. Uh, y'all came in, what, what was that, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, that would have been 2019. That would have been the year before I got to Gardner Webb. Really? It wow. Was, it was not pretty. Well, I mean, you guys were probably happy after that one. I mean, that was I'm trying to think 2019 four and eight season or yeah, four and eight season. So, I mean, Hey, it wasn't a three and nine season. I, I, that, that's off the top of my head. Uh, Josh on, on the ones and twos can probably d- fact check that to make sure. But I mean, we, it, look, that was a win, but look, we, we haven't won many in the last decade or so. So um, yeah. Gardner Webb program since then. Obviously, what, new staff, but a very different program since then. So, outside of the coaching staff, I mean, what would you say is the one thing that's changed? I mean, maybe it's culture wise, maybe it's, I mean, recruiting wise. So, um, yeah. well, well, I'll be, I'll be completely honest when I say this. The in Gardner Webb's history in Division One 
had kind of been an afterthought in the area. It was the small little thing, a little outside of Charlotte, off to the west. Uh, not a lot of people knew a whole lot about. And really overwhelmingly wasn't su that successful and, and wasn't that successful in football. Last year, I mean, that was the first time in uh, almost a decade that they went over 500 in football. That just didn't happen. Now, granted, usually uh, in Gardner-Webb's case, you're playing two to three FBS games a year. Um, that's part of being a small school. Budgets are what they are and playing in the FCS. So it's hard to get over 500, a lot harder than it would be in East Carolina's case. Uh, but it's a program that that was not successful uh, since 2002 when it transitioned uh, up to Division I. Um, it, it did win uh, early on in the transition after coming off of those uh, coming off of those um, Division II years where they were really good at the end. Early on in the transition, they won a couple of games early, uh, but but it didn't qualify them for the postseason. Uh, they won a Big South Championship early, didn't qualify them for the postseason. It was a four-team league at the time. Um, and last year uh, was the first Big South Championship in 19 years. And really, I, I would venture to say the first truly uh, championship successful year of Division One, and the first time the program ever went to the FCS playoffs. So how'd they get there? They brought in a new coach um, in December of 2019, Trey Lamb. Uh, obviously, pandemic hits. Uh, fall of 2020 is jacked up. He coaches a four-game season in the spring of 2021. So he tells you this is really year three, not year number four, uh, because it started in the fall of 2021 when they really were able to start building. Um, but also, I, I would even say before bringing in Coach Lamb, uh, there wasn't necessarily an investment from the top at the school in making athletics great after the transition to Division One, and, and I do have to give a lot of credit to the president of the school, William Downs, because he's a big school guy. I think he spent some time in East Carolina. He, he grew up an NC State fan and went to school there and, and was uh, uh, involved in NC State. His family's been involved there for a long time, and he wanted Gardner-Webb Athletics to be good and just simply put the money and the resources that have been put into it um, right before, as he was announced, before he officially took, took office as president, uh, is when the basketball team went to the NCAA tournament in 2019. And that was kind of the spark. That was the first big one. Uh, and then they all started falling in line. And last year as a whole, uh, the athletic department won three championships, their most ever uh, winning the football uh, championship. 21-0 uh, season in women's basketball was the, um, was the best season in the history of the Big South Conference, men's or women's ever in basketball. And um, the men's tennis team also won a championship. So um, if I'm going really big picture, back to the last time you would have seen this athletic department, the last time you would have seen this uh, football team, um, the it starts with the investment from the president. That's Dr. Downs. And and, I'm, and I believe if, if my timeline adds up right, the last time uh, you would have seen Gardner-Webb at Dowdy Ficklin would have been his first season or first year, I should say, at Gardner-Webb. So before his his impact was really felt. For sure. Artie? Yeah, Phil, I just want to ask you, you know, what what were the expectations for Gardner-Webb, you know, coming into this season after all the success last year, coming into this season, and then after three games, should you have the one and two start, which I know is disappointing. What are the expectations now after these first three games? Championship. I mean, FCS playoffs. Um, they return. <laughs> this, this doesn't happen in college football nowadays, right? Especially at the FCS level, because when you have good players, they go up. Uh, they return 17 starters. Uh, from a championship team last year. They return 
Uh, and that's 17 positions because on the defense alone, they have 17 guys going into this year who have regular starting experience, with, albeit a half a season, whatever. Um, so 17 out of 22 positions, they return starters. You do that in college football nowadays, you're going to be pretty good. You're going to expect to be pretty good. Um, now, they did have to replace the quarterback. Bailey Fisher graduated, uh, reigning Big South Offensive Player of the Year. Um, he was a two-year starter at Gardner-Webb. He was with Trey Lamb previously when Trey was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee Tech, where, where Bailey was an all-conference player in the Ohio Valley. There was a chemistry there, and he had, a, he had an ability, although he may have been undersized, he had the ability to play really well at the FCS level and was really a dual-threat quarterback. Um, so they had to replace him. Otherwise, it's a, it's a roster that's intact. I mean, even the kicker and the punter are the same guy from last year. The all-conference long snapper is the same guy from last year. Um, so if you were to tell me three weeks in, one and two, um, or you were to tell me back at the preseason that three weeks in, they'd be one and two, I, I would tell you that Gardner-Webb fans would be disappointed. And, and I think that it, they're all disappointed in Boiling Springs, uh, just a little bit. Obviously, they're aware that everything's still right in front of them. Um, but if you listen to Trey Lamb's uh, video press conference this week, you, you, you got the point. So. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of sounds like, I mean, ECU coming off two decent seasons, not championship level seasons, but two decent seasons that, that I guess it feels like we're, we're kind of in the same spot. Yes. Y'all are one and two. I mean, you, you lost a, a game to app state. So, do, Hey, Y'all look more competitive well, against App State it, than we did. It feels like, from what I've gathered, and I think this is uh, – got to say, you guys have some fan base, by the way, because this is the fourth interview I've done this week, podcasts, local radio, everything. So give credit to ECU fans. You guys have some fan base. Um, but but the sense that I've gotten from listening to you guys and from, and from doing some of the interviews and talking to some of the folks uh, out in the eastern part of the state is that the sky is falling, that the hot seat is on Coach Houston. Um, that it's not that at Gardner Webb. It, it's a sense of disappointment because I think that they had they really thought they had a chance to beat Appalachian State, mm-hmm. and they were up on Appalachian State with five minutes left to go in the third quarter, um, and then just a couple of, of bad mistakes, a shank punt, flips field, and next thing you know, it's you know a, three straight scores unanswered. They lose the game by twenty one. Um, but, but you know, in, in Gardner-Webb's position, you're going into that game. Previously under under Trey Lamb, they played five FBS games. They were in four of them, probably could have, maybe should have won three of them. Had the ball down by less than a touchdown, driving in on the final drive, and either didn't convert on fourth down or threw a pick. So, so they've had chances in these FBS games. They have been close. They've been blown in six FBS games now. They've been blown out in one uh, in three years under Trey Lamb. So they really thought they had a chance to win that game. And that was a that was an incredibly disappointed locker room, which I don't know that you would usually see when you hang in it for three quarters, FCS team versus FBS team. Um, then they turn around, they beat Elon. Uh, it was a little bit ugly in the end. Elon's a perennial power in this area. They finished 17th in the country in the FCS last year. They were a playoff team a season ago. They could be a playoff team this year. They beat Elon at home by a touchdown, but they were up two touchdowns with six minutes left. Costly fumble. Next thing you know, it's a tie game, and it requires a minute-long drive to go win it with 14 seconds left. So it was kind of an ugly win, but it was a win, and it might be the most signature FCS non-conference win of Trey Lamb's tenure. And then last week, that was just, I mean, 
that was just for lack of a better way to, to say it. And I don't think anyone in the program would disagree. That was just a clunker against Tennessee state. Uh, they made every mistake possible um, and still only lost the game by two. Uh, they play an average game and they're probably two touchdowns better than Eddie George's uh, Tennessee state team. So um, I still think that it, it's not this sky is falling. It's disappointment. Um, they feel like they should be two and one. They feel like some people feel like they could be, maybe should be three and up. Um, it's a championship program that still thinks if they go run the table in conference play, we'll have a shot to win uh, the new Big South OBC uh, Association. Uh, they're a team that even if they don't win the association, if they take care of business at the FCS level, maybe they pull off an upset this week. Well, they're probably going to get an at-large bid to the FCS playoffs if they do that. Uh, and, and they're still, even at one and two, a lot of folks expect them to be back in the rankings soon. So it, it's not a sky is falling mentality. It is definitely a level of disappointment because this program has gone from being not a great program to a championship level program. Um, but it's, there, there's, there's, there's a little disappointment there. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. And, you know, Phil, I, I do want to ask you this because, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. We are acting like the sky is falling in, in Greenville. And, you know, deservedly so because we're starting 0-3. We weren't really expecting to start 0-3. Um, but, I mean, Gardner-Webb, they're coming into, you know, to, to Dowdy and they're not playing a juggernaut, right? I mean, they're playing a team that is reeling, struggling, still trying to figure things out in their own right. How does Gardner-Webb feel coming into this game? I mean, this this will be – could be a huge upset victory on the road for them, and they should feel good about that coming in. How do they feel from your perspective? Yeah, well, I'll say this. I think the sense that I've gathered from the East Carolina fan base is that there actually is um, a level of fear in playing Gardner-Webb. Not that not that you guys are 0-3, but also in the fact that the record of close games versus the FBS that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, they should have beaten Coastal Carolina and Liberty last year. And those are not slouches of FBS teams. Those are a pretty good group of five teams. So um, I, I think they think they can win. Um, they're a little banged up, a couple of injuries, a couple of positions. Guys didn't play a ton of snaps last game. I, I bet the coaching staff, if you could get them off the record, would probably tell you, and I haven't talked to them about this, but they would probably tell you we were limiting some guys because we thought we could take care of Tennessee State. Um, I think they hope to have some of those guys a little healthier this week and have them back. And I also uh, think that, if anything, it, it was it was three games in, but they weren't playing great football. And, and I wonder if, in a way, one and two was better than two and one right now because it does refocus them. Because uh, again, three weeks in, even if they, even, even if the the fifty yard field goal with a few seconds left from Tennessee State, even if that misses, and for a while it looked like it was going wide to the left, mm-hmm. um, even if that misses, you win by one. You feel great about it at two and one. I don't know. It wasn't a great performance by any means. So um, to an extent, they might be refocused. And um, I I do ultimately believe that good will come of this. And I do ultimately believe they're still a championship team with a, with a up and coming damn good young coach and, and talent all over the field. So. For sure. Now, I mean, let's talk a little bit about this offense, Matthew Caldwell. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, first year starter, uh, after the quarterback graduates, talk talk to us a little bit about him. Talk to us a little bit about this offense. What can we expect to see? Well, I, I don't know what role the rain potentially could play in this. I know we've got storms coming up the coast here, and and everyone's been uh, monitoring the weather. 
Um, but in a normal dry day, you're going to see an offense that if, if 10 seconds run off the play clock, they snapped it too slow. Uh, they like to move. Uh, minimum 90 snaps a game if they can. Uh, out hustle you, outrun you, line up and snap the football before you can get set up. Uh, don't sub so that you can't sub and just keep it moving. The goal is always 90 to 95 snaps. I actually asked this, uh, I asked Trey Lamb this a couple weeks ago in his office uh, before the uh, Elon game. Uh, Elon's traditionally a bigger FCS team, kind of built like an FBS team. They like to ground and pound the football. And he's, he kind of had this little smile. He says, to me, yeah, we're, we're going to run on them. So I asked him, what's the most snaps he's ever snapped in a game as a play caller? The answer was 108. It's mind-boggling to me. Absolutely mind-boggling. Now, the new clock rules you think would take a few off of that, right? Except for the fact that that week against Elon, they snapped the football 91 times. Mm. <laughs> so they're going to move. Um, that's not going to change. Matthew Caldwell as a quarterback. He's six foot four, uh, built like the prototype. Big arm. Jacksonville State transfer. It's his second year in the program. He transferred out of Jacksonville State when uh, Rich Rod and staff came in. They've always liked him, and he showed some flashes last year. Uh, Bailey Fisher um, missed one start injured, and Matthew Caldwell played pretty well. Uh, they've always thought he was talented. It was a four-way quarterback battle in the offseason, even though he always had the edge, I think. Uh, Geno English was a transfer that came in from Florida State that pushed him all the way to the end. And he won the quarterback job. There was concern going into, into game one uh, about some accuracy, I believe. And then he came out against Appalachian State and in front of 36,000 fans and his first time in his career as the true starter going into the season. Um, Trey Lamb thought he was one of the bright spots throughout the course of the game. And he told his team that in the locker room after the game. And he said, if, we have, if we're good at that position, which was a concern going into the year, you know we can really take off. I think sometimes as fans and in the media, we overhype the importance of quarterbacks. Um, coaches will tell you it's a complete effort, but it's hard to win with a bad one. And they have one that they think is pretty good. Uh, last game was not his best, but I also counted six drop passes during the game. Uh, he was also pressured by what I think is an underrated Tennessee State team that Eddie George has turned in a corner and a defense that didn't let a receiver get open all day and a defensive line that didn't give him a second to breathe all day. Uh, so he's a pretty good player. He's not necessarily a runner. He can run. Um, Trey has actually told me he's more straight line speed, faster uh, than Bailey Fisher, their previous quarterback. But he's a little taller and lankier, so he doesn't have the, the shiftiness to him that you would expect uh, from a read option quarterback you know, to, to stick the, gut, the ball in the gut of the running back, pull it, and then take off and get you a bunch of yardage. He can run. He's a little hesitant of a runner, um, and, and he does look to throw when probably he should run. Um, that said, uh, he's got a big arm. He is becoming more and more comfortable challenging down the field each game. Out of the field, you know, typical, typical RPO spread option. Let's stretch the field, quick hitters to the wide receivers. There's been a lot of that through three games with a slow progression of let's let Matthew Caldwell air it out and try a couple of couple of chances deep so that's what you're going to see you're, you're going to see a, a young guru of an offensive guy uh, we do a coach's clicker segment every week and i'm blown away by how intelligent trey lamb is as a play caller and um 
and how intelligent he is about about reading defenses and, and and the game of football. But but he kind of fits the mold of these young spread option, hurry up uh, head coaches, and that's what you're going to see. Now you know on, on the flip side of that, defensively, who are some guys defensively that can cause ECU's offense some headaches, some nightmares, some troubles heading into this game? I'll start with one player, Ty French, multiple time All American. Number 47, you're going to notice him right away. Okay. Uh, he's a defensive end who they sometimes will stand up and play uh, as a linebacker that roams around. Um, I noticed this last game. So first play of the game against Tennessee State, off comes off the edge, sacks the quarterback. I think he forced a fumble that Tennessee State recovered. Second play of the game, tackle for loss, stuffs and run. Third play of the game, Offensive linemen are pointing out 47, 47. Now, usually that happens with a Mike linebacker, not with a defensive end, right? 47, 47. And he stands there and waves back at them. Here I am. <laughs> so uh, he's that kind of player. He, he is. I've had coaches tell me this before, that we have to keep an eye on 47 and we have to know where he is. And this is prior to this year, too. We have to know where he is at all times. Um, he was a little bit undersized, and because of the extra year back during the pandemic, his freshman year was Trey Lamb's first year. He's one of Trey Lamb's first big recruits. And, and I think if you get Trey on the record, he'll probably tell you that if not for the pandemic and rosters being crowded, um, Ty French doesn't necessarily fall to us. Um, but he's, he was a little bit undersized, a little bit thin. He's 6'3", 230 now uh, in his fourth year. And FBS schools want him. And he has stayed at Gardner-Webb. And he'll he'll finish out his degree and, and probably go on to the NFL next and have a real shot. There are scouts at practices all the time that are looking at him. And occasionally I'll roam the sidelines, talk to them. And every single time, the first guy that they say is going to have a shot in an NFL camp is Ty French. So that, that's the guy. Uh, there are all-conference players that return at every level of this defense. I told you before about – uh, the starters that return. Josh Reardon is in his fourth year as the defensive coordinator. He's been with Trey Lamb from the beginning. Uh, but he is the guy to keep an eye on because three games in, and he has probably been the best player on the field in all three games, including against Appalachian State. Mm. Love that. Yeah, I mean, th those are the types of guys that, that win you ball games. I mean, we we talk about offense being what you need to have to win a ball game. You got to score points, but when you have a guy like that on, on defense that can kind of play DN, but also play this kind of hybrid linebacker role, I mean, it, it's honestly, I mean, it it's impressive. Um, so excited to see him this Saturday. I'll tell you what, too. I'll tell you what, he is the most intimidating dude in the world on the football field. The most so he's, he's, the, he's the first one off the bus. First <laughs> that, one off the bus. You don't okay. want to walk past him. He gets the nasal strips going. He's got this growl. You know, off the field, I have never met a more fun-loving, outgoing, uh, just great kid. Great kid. Um, he's a father. Um, he, he's he really is just he, he's that that guy's going places. I can't say enough uh, enough positive words about him. And. Uh, but on the football field, I stay away from. Stay away from. Uh, I'm I'm looking at this picture of the of him, and yeah, like <laughs> I, I want no part of him. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. So, so uh, we were actually 
I, I was with them driving to uh, to media day back in the summer. It was him and Nari Gaither, All-American running back. And uh, I'm in the car with with him and, and uh, a couple of other administrators. And, and we're driving out to Nashville for media day. And when I tell you the entire time, he's just laughing up a storm. The entire time. I, I've never I've never had a kid like that. Six hours in the car mm-hmm. laughing up a storm. Um, awesome. he's, he's just a good kid. That's awesome. That's yeah, that's I mean, just looking at him that he looks the part. It looks like he's taking eye black like in this picture. It, it's literally called uh, Thai French eyes. And like this picture, it just looks like he's taking the eye black and it's just like all over his face. I, I don't know. Um, just staring down a quarterback. Yeah. Um Good luck, Alex Flynn. I think he's a three-time All-American at this point, too. Yeah, that's a nice list. Um, yeah, Gardner-Webb's lucky to have him and lucky that he stayed around. And um, I think that kind of tells you the kind of kid that he is, too. So, Love that. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we talk, you talked about it. I mean, I think this week is, is a game that ECU fans are, are worried about after the 0-3 start. Definitely nervous, yeah. And I think rightfully so. We we know that Gardner-Webb is, is a formidable opponent coming into Dowdy. And with how our, how our offense has, has struggled at times and, and how this team has struggled to kind of get going at times, it, it is a worry um, seeing the running Bulldogs uh, run down 264 to, to Greenville. Uh, I mean, all in all, the – what happens? I mean, do you, do you think Gardner Webb wins this weekend? I, I can't say here that they're going to win. I mean, you know how the odds are are stacked against you as an FCS opponent. And uh, I, I was with Trey Lamb uh, right after the the game at Appalachian State. He was talking to the media, and um, he said, "You know, these things kind of go according to a script," um, and. The script is one of two ways. You either come out and you're just overmatched, you get blown out right off the bus. And we've seen that happen a lot in these FBS, FCS games. I mean, he was an FCS player at Tennessee Tech. He's played in them. He's coached in them. His career as a player, assistant coach and head coach has been in the FCS. So he's had a lot of these. Or you're in it because you have enough talent at the top end. You have guys like Ty French. But ultimately, over the course of four quarters, those 20 extra scholarships that divide FBS from FCS make a big difference. And there's just more talent down the depth chart as, as guys get worn out throughout the game, as you start rolling through defensive linemen, et cetera, offensive line just starts beating up on them. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Gardner Webb will win. Um, but I think they have a shot. I certainly do. Uh, and I think a lot of people in Boiling Springs, North Carolina, think that they have a shot. Uh, and, and I would say that looking back at last week, it, it, it hurts, you know, from our perspective, we're looking at how does Gardner-Webb get to the, to the FCS playoffs? And it's easiest to get that at-large bid and get in like they did last year. Um, that's more complicated in, in what is now a 10-team league where they're not even going to play the other favorite in the league, Southeast Missouri State, this year. So from, from that perspective, last week's loss to Tennessee State really hurts. But from another perspective, 
you go beat East Carolina this week, you're right back in business and you're really open for an at-large selection. Right. And, and maybe last week's loss is a good thing because it was needed because they just were not playing disciplined football. And so I don't, I don't think that they're going to, uh, I, I don't think that they're going to, I don't necessarily, I can't say that they're going to win. I think they could. I definitely think they have a shot. Um, and, and I, I know this, that East Carolina fans and that East Carolina team, unlike many other teams that maybe they snuck up on, they're not going to sneak up on it because the track record now of Gardner-Webb is okay. These guys are good. They know what they're doing. They're going to give us a good shot. So I expect it to be a close game, but but you never know what's going to happen in the end. For sure. Well, Phil, we appreciate you coming on. Sorry we, we made you wait uh, a little bit. We, we got started a little bit late tonight, but yeah. And then, and then I I was muted for, and then nobody told me I, I, I wasn't, no, we told you. you just weren't paying attention, but that's okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I was re, I was reading off the, off the notes. I was looking at our show notes. That that was a rookie mistake. Hey, I'll walk the plank on that one. That That's on me. That's two weeks in a row. I, I've gone muted. Look, I've been, I've been sick for, for the better half of, of, of a week and a half. And I, I get in these little coughing spurts. I go muted, try to be professional with it. And then I forget to unmute. Then, hey, that, that's on me. I, 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 take, full, I take full responsibility. Cough button, just one button. Yeah, like hey, we, we've, got, we've got a new producer on, on the show. This is actually his first show uh, with us. Shout out Josh on, on, the, on the one Josh, or two. But, <laughs> yeah, Josh, figure that out. I, I don't understand it. I don't know it. I, I need one of those one of those buttons like like you guys have up in the booth where I'm I'm not you can't hear my mic. Um so thanks again for joining us and, and safe travels down to Greenville this weekend. Yep. And uh wish you the best of luck after Saturday. How, how's that? <laughs> I appreciate it. Good talking with you guys. Thank you. Enjoy the game this weekend. Absolutely, Phil. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Phil. So, once again, Phil Constantino, play-by-play voice, one of the play-by-play voice and, and, and director of broadcasting for the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. I, I don't think I even did an intro um, for him. But, yeah, um, great insight. And yeah. it made me, even more, made me even more nervous. For, for this game. Uh, or I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Like, do you, do you think what happens if East Carolina loses to Gardner Webb this weekend? It, if it, I mean, and the thing is, I mean, this was always kind of going to be a trap game for East Carolina anyway, because we always, you know, we, we always have an FCS opponent, that we play close every, you know, it feels like every other year we, we're, we're going to play some FCS opponent in Dowdy close. We end, we end up winning, but it's a lot closer than what it probably feels like it should be. But this doesn't even feel like a trap game. Though. This is like, you know, we're 0-3. We're really struggling. We don't really have everything figured out offensively or defensively. And Gardner-Webb, I mean, they really should have the confidence of coming in. I mean, they, they played out close. They, you know, like 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 Phil was saying, they absolutely could have beat, you know, Tennessee Tennessee State last week in a in a game where they did not play well at all. Um, they absolutely could be two and one or three and zero oh with a win over App. So 
Gardner Webb should come in with an extreme amount of confidence, knowing what they can do in their ability. ECU starts 0-4. Um, man, it's it's it's. And I, I I think I would feel bad for the coaches and players because it it's going to be. It, it's going to be a, a shitstorm like like they've never seen. If if ECU loses at home in the Garden of Web and starts on four, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't. That's that's that is worst case scenario. It could happen, but um, I, I would. I think I honestly would feel bad for the coaches and players because it is it is going to be a a bad day to be a football player or a football coach in Greenville, North Carolina. We're sitting at zero and four, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're sitting at 0-4, there's got to be some kind of change. There has to be some kind of change. I don't know what it what it is, but if you're 0-4, something has to now, change. I do not believe we start 0-4. We, we're we're, we're going to win this weekend. I, I I firmly, I truly believe we're going to win this weekend. I, I believe we're going we're gonna to figure, figure some things out. We're going to put some things together. We are going to, and we're going to get into that a little later with our score predictions and all that. But I do not believe we're going to start 0-4. I do believe we win this weekend. Mm, I don't know. Do I feel confident about that? Like I like I would, you know, if we were at least one and two with a win over a Marshall or an App. No, but you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe we start 0-4. I, I just don't think it's that bad in our program. Um, and that, and that's no shot at Gardner Webb either, because they're definitely a legitimate, good program. But like Phil was saying. We've got 20 extra scholarships. We've got we got more depth. We have a little bit more oomph, you know, and, and I don't think our program is down that bad to lose at home to Gardner Webb. Yeah. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe. I, I hope I hope. I hope you're not wrong. I, I, I really do hope ECU get, gets the dub this week. I, I don't know. I don't know. I this is this reminds me of how I felt at times during the Scotty Moe years. And do I believe more? Do I believe more in Mike Houston than I do did at any point of the Scotty Montgomery era? Yes. 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 Do I believe in? And look, guys, we just signed Mike Houston to a five-year extension. He's not going anywhere. He is not going anywhere. We cannot afford to get rid of Mike Houston. And I don't think we should, but it may come down to it. It may come down to it where we got to make a a change somewhere else on the staff. And who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes, but if we start Oh, and four, I got to think somebody's head's going to roll. I got, I I believe somebody's head's going to roll at some point. I mean, because I mean, you you start zero four, and then you know a loss to Gardner Webb. Where do, now, where do you find the wins? If you look at the rest of the schedule, where are your wins? Right, Rice Rice looks good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right, Rice beat Houston a couple weeks ago. Right? I mean, now we don't know what Houston is, but like still, I mean, Rice Rice looks a lot better than what we thought they were going to look. Right? SMU SMU looks like they're the real deal. San Antonio's kind uh, of falling off. They don't look as good. Yeah, as UTSA is has kind of been surprising. Yeah. Um, Granted, they they haven't had the easiest schedule to start the year, but we were thinking of them being a, a ten and ten and two, nine and three football team. And I mean, yeah. they've got what two losses already? Yeah. Um. Two, I believe. So so we're 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 entering that territory. I mean, 
Navy is Navy, but then again, we can't beat Navy anyways. Um, Even with a good ECU team, we can't. We struggle against Navy. So I mean, Charlotte is Charlotte. I I mean, I don't know. It really sucks. It really sucks to be in the position that we're in. But hopefully, we can we can figure it out. Um, look, all, look all, all, all hope is not lost. Though, all right, I, I do have some optimism about this team. All hope is not lost. Look, all all we need, Artie, all we need, and I'll, I'll say this. I will say this, that good times will come back to East Carolina University. Whether it's this year or whether we have to ride out one bad year, something good is going to happen to East Carolina University. It, it just is going to happen. And I, I tweeted this yesterday. I, I look at this picture above my above my desk every single day. And it's the day, yesterday was the nine-year anniversary of ECU dropping 70 on Carolina. We were in the building, baby. And I look at, I look at this picture. I tweeted about it yesterday. And anytime I have a bad day, anytime I'm, I'm feeling down, I look at this picture and I look in the boneyard. If, you, if you're looking at the boneyard, just left uh, of the, the left upright, probably about halfway up. That's where I was sitting. And I'll never forget that day. I will never forget that day. Had a blast. My whole family was there. And I think back to that day, and I think that time's going to come back again. Yeah. We're going to figure it out. But what we need, what we need, Pirate Nation, is we need you to donate. Donate to the Pirate Club. Donate to Team Boneyard. This this is, it's all, it's a money game now. It really is. It's a money game now. So, we need we need to keep supporting this team. Did I say yes? It's hard to cover this team at times. Yes, it is. It's really hard to cover it when we have to drive three and a half hours to cover the team six weeks out of the season. It's really hard to do that when you have to drive an hour and a half to cover them on the road. It's really hard to do that. Already drove. 15 hours. Uh, was that right? Nine hours, 10 hours? I don't know. What's that? Uh, to, talking about? to Ann Arbor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was um, nine hours up there, nine hours back. So. so, I mean, it's really hard to do that at times. But don't lose faith. Because, and I sign every email that we send from the Boneyard Podcast with this already and this all goes back to the tweet this all goes back to the tweet loyal and bold be loyal to this team be loyal to this program if you're not going to be loyal to them don't sing the fight song when they score if you're not loyal don't sing it okay if you're not going to be bold and your love for East Carolina University, then you're not a pirate. And sometimes it takes you being loyal and bold to be a true pirate. And if our fan base isn't going to be either of those things, then we don't have a fan base. We always tout how strong our fan base is. If you're not going to be loyal to this team, even 
when it's hard, you got to be loyal. And it, it, we're going to be loyal. Look, we're going to be loyal. We're going to, we're going to stand by this team. We're going to cover this team. We're going to love them. But I'm just ready to be back where we're excited every single Saturday because every single Saturday we believe we can win. And the last three Saturdays hasn't felt. Now, going up to App State, I, I felt like we could win. I was, man, I was jamming out. I was singing in the car. I was having a blast. And On the way home, not so much. And, and, and I'll say this, though, too. As for as bad as we have played, we have been in these games with Marshall and App all the way up and in leading into the fourth quarter. We have to finish games. That's really our biggest problem. Yeah, we have offensive woes. We have defensive things we have to figure out. But we've still been in these games. For as bad as we played, we've still been in these games. Right. So it's finishing. It's figuring out what the hell is going wrong in the fourth quarter with us because we had to figure that out immediately. But it's not like we've we've played poor from start to finish. We just look absolutely terrible as a as a football program. That's why I have optimism, because we could seriously and probably should be two and one with a pretty decent looking loss to Michigan in the big house. Right. So. A lot of, lot, of, lot of things that can still be worked on. Yes, it looks bad because 0-3 is awful, but there, there is some optimism. I, and, I, and I will ask people to really look at it and say, okay, yeah, there, there is still some optimism and some hope here with this team. Let's, let's say this, Artie. This team, for, for everything that, that sucks about it, right now this week is it's a new week ecu could still look am i drinking the kool-aid if i if i believe this maybe give me some purple grape kool-aid if ecu could still go nine and three do i believe it's gonna happen no but they could still go nine and three this is a new week jared shut up (laughs) shut up you not do not start talking at nine and three crap no, I'm, I'm already right. Now. Would you let Would you let me finish, Artemis? <laughs> Artie, what I'm saying is, there's still the season's not lost off of these three losses. And while it seems like the sky is falling, and I'm contradicting myself from what I was saying earlier, I mean, ECU ECU could go. East, you can still win the conference. You haven't played a conference game. No, Artie, I'm not saying that they're going to. But you've got the whole season ahead of you. Why not? Jay, whatever Kool-Aid you're drinking, please pass that through the screen. I, I need that. I need that Kool-Aid ASAP. Pass Artie, that. I, like I said, I don't – do I believe it's going to happen? No. But <laughs> that's how – as Pirates, that's how you got to look at it. You got to go one and zero every single week. That that is how you well, go you in. Said that in this presser, this 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 you know this past week, it's it's about going one and zero every week. So you got to win the day. Win the day. Win the Tuesday. Win the Wednesday. Like Coach Houston said that we had the best Tuesday Wednesday practice of the season so far. Um, hopefully, we can have the best Saturday we've had of the season and build on that. Build on that. There's there's time. There's time to figure something out 
And by God, I hope they figure it out because I, I can't deal with another three and nine season. Or at this point, what may look like a one and 11 season, if not yeah. 0 and 12. Artie, do you have a walk the plank? Huh. I actually do not. I don't. I don't. I don't have a walk the plank this weekend. I there wasn't enough to happen this this past weekend uh, for me to be upset about anything. So the, no. The only thing I'll say is, look, I, I I don't know the guy's name. The guy that made that hit on um on, oh, on um, Hunter Travis Hunter. Yeah, Travis Hunter. I don't know why I want to say yeah. Tony Hunter. Um, that was dirty as hell, man. The ball was what, on the ground. Was it a dirty hit? Yes. It was a dirty hit. But this guy and his mother should not be receiving death threats. Oh, over... I didn't I didn't know it was like that. Yeah, yeah. He he received death threats. No, as a kid, man. I mean, like, like he, he made a boneheaded dumb mistake. And he yes, he should have been suspended too. It should have been suspended for that. At the same time, at the, already can all right, I wanna I wanna have a quick conversation. Cause as much as as cool as Deion Sanders is and as cool as everything else that's going on with him is is it bad if I say that I'm kind of getting tired of the constant media attention? I mean, it's not it's not bad that you said. I mean, you, you're not you're not a fan of it, and that's and that's fine. Like, but you also can't deny the impact that he's having. Oh no, you, I you, I think he, he's having a tremendous impact. What I agree that it's a bit of a circus. It's a bit of a circus. Yes, that, it, it's it's a little much, but that's that's just kind of what Dion brings. And to be honest with you. If you're really looking at these TV numbers, people are really feeding yeah. into this. Like, Jared, 10 million people watched Colorado State versus Colorado last weekend. I know. 10 million people at 2 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, were up watching this game. I mean, even if you're tired of it, you can't really and not the man. I, I, what, here's what I'll say. I'm not tired of him. I'm tired of some of his athletes. The like the fight with, with Travis Hunter watching before the game, like him talking shit. Talk your shit. Jared, that happens, that happens everywhere. Yeah, but. It happens the, everywhere. I don't know. Something rubs me the wrong way about, that, about every, that guy. That, you're going to see that at Michigan, Ohio State, with, with dudes running up against each other before the game. Yeah, but like. Shit, getting into fights. Fl- flashing your Rolex and, that, and that talking about your Rolls Royce. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. NIL, that's a thing now. Like Shadur Sanders is gonna pull up to the game in a Maybach. Like that's just that's fine. What it is, but that's daddy's money. That's just what it is. <laughs> all all I'm all I'm that. saying, Artie. All I'm saying is all week, all week. There's talk about oh, we're gonna punch you in the mouth, and we're gonna blow you out. We're, you don't belong in this field with us. All week that was coming out out of some of their players' mouths. And then they damn near lost it. It took them two overtimes to beat Colorado State. But what's their record? Three and zero. What was the, their they, record last year? What was their record last year? One and eleven. I mean, <laughs> you... Artie, Artie, hear me out. ECU goes one and eleven this year. Wins the national championship next year. <laughs> if if Dion is walking through that door, then maybe, <laughs> maybe. So, all right. All right, that's that's my walk the plank. I, I mean, it, it's not real. Like, I don't know. I'm just tired of the constant. Now, know. look, granted, they, they got to go to Eugene this weekend, and I they, think they lose to Oregon. I think they lose to Oregon. They're, they're 21-point dogs USC. at Oregon. I think they lose to Utah, 
all those good teams they got coming up, they're they're not they're not there yet. So they're gonna lose those games, and then that luster is gonna fall off a little bit. But I mean, what Dion is doing in Colorado, that's it's legit. He, he that's it's amazing. Uh, I saw that they sold out all of their their they're sold out for all their home games all year. That's great. All I'm saying, I don't mind what I, I love what Dion's doing. I wish he was doing it at East Carolina, not Colorado. But what I'll say, Artie, is I'm just like there was a tweet earlier today. It was like Colorado is p- playing Oregon's fight song and pumping in crowd noise to their practice. Every college football team in America does that. Right. I was about to say every, everybody does that. They're just overhyping it because it's Dion in Colorado. Yeah, like every like ECU does that for a big game. Right? Like that that's nothing new. So why are we making it a big deal when when Colorado does it? I, I also blame the media for that though. Blame the media for that. Because yeah, they're the I mean, ones giving all the all this kind of limelight and attention to something that don't really deserve that much limelight and attention. Something like that. Yeah, and then um, secondly, Artie. All right, I, I almost forgot about this. My other walk the plank. And this could be Colorado and Appalachian State. Why the hell are you rushing the field? Yeah, it's it's, it's it, it is getting a little too much. It like, is, why, it, why the hell is Appalachian State rushing the field after beating an zero three East Carolina University? That's that that's that's little brother syndrome. I I, I really think though it, it it is become a thing where nationally. I think these kids just like doing it. They, they don't even care that it's it. It could be anybody. It could, you could be. Beat I just can't wait for this point. They just want to rush the field. <laughs> they, they, I, I they can't wait until a, I can't wait till a team loses, but they lose a close game and they their their fans still rush the field. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I, it is. It is. It, definitely this, this isn't old man yells at clouds like. I get it. Like, if you don't want them to rush the field, beat them. I get that. Like that. This that's not what this conversation's about. Right. Rushing the field used to be something that was special. Right. We didn't rush the field when we dropped seventy on Carolina because we expected to beat them and beat them badly. And they weren't a top ten team at the time. They weren't. Yeah. Beat, they weren't, you didn't. You didn't beat the number three ranked UNC. You know, Tar Heels. That's not like that. That's all I'm saying is you beat. I think there's rules to rushing the field. And we probably need to put this on a on a graphic and, and post this, but you gotta it's gotta be a top twenty five team. And if you're a perennial top twenty five team or a team that's in the top twenty five, you can't rush the field. Like if you're in the top twenty five, you can't rush the field. Unless you, you're well, like, yeah, unless unless it's like, you know, now if it's Alabama LSU game in a century, one versus two. You rush the field for that. Like that that that's a game you rush the field for. Like that's you don't you see that once every five to ten years. You rush the field for that. I but yeah. I also I also think there's teams like there's schools that are immune to rushing the field ever. Like they, they should never rush the field. One of those is Alabama. Right? Like I, I don't think they should ever rush the field. Dude, Michigan, basketball. I don't ever remember Michigan ever rushing the field for Ohio State. Duke basketball, Carolina basketball should never rush the court. That that's just my opinion. If you're a blue know, blood, 
I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree that it should be at least a ranked opponent. You should beat a ranked opponent. To me, you sh- it should be a top 10 team. Forget top 25. I think I think it should be a top 10 team. That warrants you rushing the field because it should be a special moment. It shouldn't just be beating somebody. It should be a special moment because you beat a damn good football or basketball team. Exactly. I, I don't think you rush the field for beating an 0-2, 0-3 team. You don't rush the field when you're a top 25 team for beating – a group of five school that you were a two touchdown favorite over. Like you don't do that. But, but Colorado would win 11 last year. They don't know how to act. Literally their fans and students. They don't know. They're not used to this success. They suck. They're not used to this. So. Uh, um, all right. What, what or, or Josh, what, what is, what is this message here? Hunter Blackburn. I want – was that the guy that hit Travis Hunter? Oh, Hunter Blackburn. That's the guy that hit hit Travis Hunter. Okay. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for that. Uh, Artie, let's get into gambling, and then let's get the hell out of here. We've, we've gone yeah. too long. Yes. Uh, Ole Miss, number 15 Ole Miss, on the road to Tuscaloosa, Brian Denny Stadium at Alabama. Yeah. Old man Saban. Uh Crimson Tide, six and a half point favorites over unders 55 and a half. Are, are we seeing the falling of an empire that is Alabama? The, I mean, empire, after- the, the, the empire is the Death Star is coming to the ground. It is falling out of the sky. I'm telling you that right now. Because honestly, this this year in college football is probably the, like the most parody we've seen in 15, 20 years. I mean, there's at least 10 teams that could compete for a national championship. 10. There's like 10 teams that can legitimately win a national championship. So, I mean, after losing to Texas, they couldn't beat down on little old USF. They face Ole Miss this weekend, who's 3-0 and with a win over Tulane. That's honestly probably the best. That's the second best win the SEC has this year. So far. It is Ole Miss's win over Tulane. And that yeah. game turned into a blowout at the end. It, it got a little... Like it, it was a lot closer than, than what the score shows. Um, I, I do want to mention real quick, though. I do need to apologize to South Florida. I thought they was going to lose by 50. I did, too. They shocked the hell out of me. Good for them. I, they, I did, they, too. They competed. Did you see the video of Nick Saban standing on the water cooler and then, like, one of the assistants having to hold the water cooler so he didn't fall off? No, I did not see that. Oh, that, that was funny. Um, <laughs> all right, anyways, Ole Miss – at Alabama, Bama's a six and a half point favorite. Artie, your thoughts? I, I'm a big Lane Kiffin fan. I, I really want him to go in here and win this game. I really want Ole Miss Likewise. to win this game. I, I really, really do. Now, I can't say that around Ashley and her folks because my future father-in-law, he's a he's a University of Alabama alumni, and he's having a heart attack right now. So I'm just going to have to be quiet when this game is on. But I am hoping Lane Kiffin goes in there and and walks away with a win. I really am. Yeah, I mean, I I really hope Ole Miss wins. I I'm tired of hearing about Alabama. I just find it hard for Alabama to lose two straight games at home to Texas and to to Ole Miss. I if that happens, I mean, could could we see Alabama drop to? Drop to like seventeen. 
Oh, they have they, their... they're, they're dropping low. Well, actually, when was the last time Alabama's been out of the top 25? Is it, I feel like it's before the Saban era. It's got to be before the Saban era. It's got to be like 2008. It's got to be before. The last time they were out of the top 25, it's got to be well over a decade. Well over a decade. And they have a legitimate chance of being outside of the top 25 this year. 2007, a streak of 248 appearances. Seven. Jeez. This, Jared, uh, we were 12 in 2007. 12. Artie, trivia time. Uh, who holds the record for longest streak of being ranked? Oh, God. Is it still a current? Is it still an active streak? No. I mean, it's it's one it's one of them. Is it SC or Michigan or Oklahoma? One of those. I, I feel like it's like one of those three. It's actually not. It's not one of those three. I have no idea. I don't know. How about Nebraska? Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Nineteen eighty-one to two thousand and two. For all the children out there that don't know, three hundred forty-eight straight appearances. Nebraska was an absolute juggernaut in the eighties and nineties. They were, they were, they were, they were modern day Alabama. So we both taking Ole Miss. Yes. Okay. Hotty toddy. Um. All right. All right. We just talked about this game a little bit. Uh, Colorado, number nineteen, on the road at Oregon. Um. Colorado's going to be without Travis Hunter for the next three weeks. He's got a concussion. Oregon's a 21-point favorite over under 69. Can Dion and company, his crew, continue the rise to the tops of college football with this matchup against the top 10 team on the road? We talked about our thoughts on Dion. What are your thoughts on this game? 21 is a little high for me. Even though, like, without Travis Hunter, that, that's a huge loss. With Travis Hunter, they, they might mess around and maybe possibly pull the upset. Without Travis Hunter, they're not going to win this game. I don't think they lose by three touchdowns. So I, I, I do think Dion is going to find something to make this game some sort of a, just a magical up and down topsy turvy kind of game. But Oregon's going to win. Um, Artie, would it surprise you if EC, this ECU team in Colorado were on the same list of something like a top ten list or anything like that in the same season? You said what? So ECU and Colorado are both in the bottom 10 when it comes to yards per game on defense mm. in the country. You got Bo Nix at Oregon. Very good quarterback. Yes. Shadur Sanders is a fantastic quarterback. You're without probably your top wide receiver. You're without your one of your, I mean, best defensive players. What's he like? D end. Um, and Travis Hunter. Look, I, I think I think the hype train is derailed this week. Or Oregon beats them and beats them soundly. Yeah, uh, I, think, I, I think I think Oregon wins by double digits. I just don't think it's three touchdowns. I I, I think it is. I I do think it is. Like going in going to Autzen into Eugene. 
And 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 they're they're gonna be fired up because they they they've heard all the chirping, all the noise. They know what the moment's all about. Like, hold up, now we we are the class of this conference. We we're Oregon. Like, what are you what are you talking about? Phil Knight, Nike, like we're we're Oregon. Stop that. So you know, Oregon's gonna win this game. They're gonna be hyped up. They're gonna be ready. Speaking speaking of Nike, did you see these shoes that they're wearing? No, I didn't. They are gonna they're gonna change colors throughout the game, based on like the, the players like body heat. That's cool. That's a very Nike thing to do. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So you you're taking Colorado to cover. I'm taking I'm taking Oregon to cover, right? Yep. All right. And the over of 69, take the over. Uh, take I think the this, over. this is gonna take be a over. high scoring game. Yeah, take the over. All right. Uh next two three and O teams, Memphis and Missouri. Missouri got a big win last week against Kansas State. Uh three and O. On the season, this game is actually going to be played in St. Louis. Artie, Missouri, six and a half point favorites, over unders 51 and a half. Talk to me. Missouri's kind of surprising. So is Memphis a little bit. Um, I know I'm supposed to, you know, pull pull for the American, and I do. But I don't know. I, I, I like Mizzou in this game. I think I think Mizzou's going to win. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it'll be close, but I think, uh, I think Mizzou wins. Memphis covers. Mizzou wins. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think Memphis covers. Uh, I could, I could see Memphis even winning. Um, yeah, they, they've got a stout defense. So um, it's gonna. This is gonna be one. This is one of the more interesting games. I, I think whoever wins this game, honestly, should probably be ranked in the top twenty-five next week. I, I, I do think that. So, we're gonna take Memphis to cover, right? All right. Next game, Artie, the battle for the iron skillet. TCU, SMU. Uh, TCU is a, a six and a half point favorite over under 63. Uh, neither team is, is what I think anybody thought they were going to be this year. Um, SMU is still very good. TCU is still pretty good. I don't, but I don't think they're as good as everybody thought they were going to be. Everybody thought these two teams were going to be like top twenty-five teams uh, going into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, give me, give me TCU to cover. Uh, I, I think TCU wins by wins by a touchdown. This is this is a t- this is a rivalry game. They don't like each other. And this is a tough because I can see SMU winning this game. I really, I really could. And, and this rivalry feels like the kind of rivalry that like goes back and forth pretty much every year. Um, but I agree. I, I think I agree with you verbatim. I think TCU covers, and I, I think they win the game. Okay, so we, we both agree on on that one. Um, let's see. All right, already. I couldn't find a line. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't find a line on ECU Gardner Webb. <laughs> they said we don't care about this game. <laughs> We don't care. The closest thing I could find. They said nobody's betting on this game. We don't care. If you're betting on this game, you are an absolute degenerate. You you are you are you are the most sicko there is out there if you're betting on ECU Gardner Webb. Josh, clip this and send this to sicko mode or sicko <laughs> committee. Because if you're betting on this game, you are deranged. 
Gardner Webb at East Carolina. I did find an estimated line because I couldn't find a real line already. East Carolina is a 16 and a half point favorite estimated. I don't agree with that at all. Not, not the way we played. No. Over under was 56 and a half. The estimated over under that I found. I got scared there for a second. I, I found a line where it said Gardner Webb was favored it or favored it in a game. But then I realized I was looking at a past basketball game. Um, Uh, if if I had to set the line already, I would probably set it at ECU minus. I'd probably set set it at ECU minus nine and a half. Okay, I feel like that's a fair line. Um, and I'd probably set the over under. I, I would set the over under at at. I like the 56 and a half. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, So let, let's use my line. I'm Vegas. ECU minus nine and a half. Gardner-Webb covers. Yeah, I think Gardner-Webb covers. What's your score? Oh, shit. Come on now. I went first last week. Did you? I did. Oh, it's. It, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Twenty-seven, twenty-one. East East Carolina. I'm thinking thirty, twenty-four. East Carolina. Okay. All right. Twenty-seven, twenty-four. Gardner Webb is going to have a lead for at least a quarter of this football game. They're going to have a lead for a while. I think ECU comes back and wins. Mm. All right. Artie, let's start getting out of here. Let's do it. Uh, thanks again for, for following us along on, on Variety Sports Network. Shout out to the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Go go check them out. Lots of great content. Uh, follow us on social media. If you want to be in, in talks and want to talk shit to us, that's fine. I, I'm just going to laugh at it. Um, but we are putting out a lot of great content. That's why we brought on Josh. Excited, excited about this. Uh, Josh, Josh is this is something we've been talking to Josh about for for a long time now. Probably since probably better part of a month and a half. It feels like, um, which I guess in the grand scheme of things isn't that long of a time. But um, something that we've been talking about needing here at the Boneyard Podcast for a while. Yeah. So uh, make sure you follow us on social. We're gonna be put putting out more content there on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. We already do a lot on Twitter. We got 8,600 tweets. Crossed over the 3,000 follower thresh- threshold uh, hey, this week. Come on now. Come so, on uh, we, baby. We, we appreciate you. We salute you. Thank yeah, you. and subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening, subscribe on YouTube. We have a lot of fun with it. We're going to be doing more stuff uh now that now that we've got Josh on the team, we got we got a lot of fun stuff planned over the next couple of weeks. And leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, we we really appreciate you listening. We we do this because it's fun for us, and it, it is a way for us to kind of talk about sports and, and talk about ECU and and have a good time with it. Um, look, we don't we don't 
try to be the the world beater uh, journalist out there. Like, yes, we're trying to get scoops. We have scoops. We we try to do things. Um, but but we're like I said earlier, we're fans of, of a team first, and th- and then we're a podcast second. So uh, yeah, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, leave us a five star review, and you'll be a friend of the podcast forever. Uh, Artie, that's all I got. Hey, good episode. It's late on the East Coast. It's time to lay it down. But we appreciate you, Power Nation. We love you. Wash your hands. Wash your butts. Deuce. Peace.